So, yeah, I guess the employers did not take it well when you wanted two months off. And then they were like, no, no, we need someone to work. So you're like, okay, I'm quitting. <laughs> yep. <laughs> that, yeah. And now you're living. Have you always lived with Hunter? Did you live with Hunter? Um, I talk to no, you? this this has been since, uh, oh, crap, I can't even remember what it was. When the heck did I move in here? It was like it, uh, actually it was January is when I moved in here. Um, so it's coming up on a year now, I guess. Yeah. Getting close. At yeah, least. no, it is getting close. I, I talked to you last year when you shot that one on, on opener at like seven yards or whatever. Six yeah. yards. Yeah, five yards, ten feet up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a that was that was a cool hunt. Um but uh yeah, sorry. so Ben uh yeah, I was just curious if you guys had been living together long, but so then is the uh I guess are, are you are you guys trying to like almost like I want I don't want to say replicate, but like do something similar to the hunting public where you guys are putting content together and all that, or um, are you just you know, it, for fun? Well, I mean, for, for me, it's, you know, I'm, I'm hunting for fun. You know, obviously, you know, I do social media and all that. I, I don't really have a specific plan in mind, but we're just kind of <laughs> seeing how it goes. Hunter, he's got, he's got a full fledged plan about how he's going to do this, you know, full time and, you know, for, a, for a living. I'm not, I'm not quite to that level yet, but uh, hoping to get there. As far as doing stuff together, he's kind of got his own thing. I kind of got my own thing. Um, and you just happen to live both, in the same house. Yeah, we happen to live in the same house, but I mean, it's it's good and bad because you know we start talking about deer, and you know there it is, one o'clock in the morning. You know, <laughs> <laughs> we got a fence to go build. Um, right. But no, it's it's great for like information sharing, and you know, you know pattern finding you know whatever you want to whatever you want to yeah. call it you know what's the you know goings ons in the in the woods right now um it's great for that no that's yeah i think that's pretty that's pretty cool because almost all of us do it that anyway we just call friends right and then right. after you get out of the woods like you hop in the truck and you got like whatever 45 minute drive and you know your buddy was out in the woods you just call him and you're like hey What'd you see? Nothing. Me neither. Right. Nothing. Why do you think that is? And all of a sudden, an hour later, you're sitting in your driveway, right? Right. <laughs> yeah. And I apologize if I'm swatting. I had to figure out, I'm seeing all these damn box elder bugs. I had a, oh, and this might yeah. not be like a, a, a super informative podcast thing, but I had a water leak coming over my foundation and one day wow. I came, my, my office is in my basement. I sat in my chair, put my feet down and my feet were wet. <clears throat> that's not, that's not right. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I peeled back the carpet, water's coming down the wall. I peel out the wall, water's like behind the wall, behind the insulation. And I go mm. up, whatever turns out outside my house, the landscaping, when I bought the house six years ago, like this has been going on for a long time. Turns out mm. like they piled too much dirt up and my, my, the dirt was over my siding. So like nice. the water would come down and it would sit there and then it would mm -hmm. just kind of soak into my siding and it soaked yeah. into my plywood uh, exterior oh, and just started rotting it away. So literally I tore out my drywall and I'm looking outside <laughs> and I was like, what <laughs> the fuck is this? 
<laughs> so oh, uh, yeah, I was I was literally looking at the um why can't I think of the Tyvek? Like the the yeah. back of the Tyvek. I was like, that is not right. So then this weekend yeah. I fixed it. Um mm-hmm. took took off my siding, put on new plywood. But in the meantime, while I was doing all that, all these box elders were falling out of my siding and flying into my house because there's this gate. Yeah. So that sounded, that sounds about right. And now I'm like sitting down here in these damn box sellers that are like knocking me in the head while I'm working all day. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah. So, um, so for everybody listening, I got on Jace Allen. Um, Jace, as, as I mentioned previously, Jace shot a great buck last year. He lives with a, a kid named Hunter Hogan. These two guys are both big buck hunters killers this is what they want to do and as jace mentioned hunter's got a big plan he's just kind of along for the ride seeing where it goes maybe something will maybe something will pop up and it'll get into something <laughs> right i mean with yep. the deer with the deer you're putting down i i can't imagine it'll take long <laughs> uh, we'll see on this on this next tag i wouldn't mind i mean you know i didn't i didn't quit my job for no reason you know i want to I want to hunt and I'm not quite in a spot where I can travel again. So if I, if I have this tag for a little while longer, it wouldn't bother me a whole lot, you know? <laughs> right. Cause now, like now you're building, you mentioned it a little bit, but now you're building fences, like add, ad lib, like when you're home. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> yep. Okay. Uh, and before we started the podcast, I asked Jake, I said, or Jace, I said, how's uh how's fence building going? He says, well, putting wood up and hitting nails <laughs> <laughs> digging holes man it's kind of like building fence ain't nothing right? quite like it i'm telling you <laughs> uh, yeah so uh but anyway yeah jay shot uh on the podcast today the the thing we're talking about is this monster <laughs> that jay shot uh in kentucky and i think more impressive i don't even know what this what is the what did you score this thing out yeah what did you score it at you want to take a guess at it first i i mean it's it's beyond what i've ever considered scoring previously (laughs) i look at something like this like i I would guess so just give me give me one i'll take a quick shot at it like we're over we're for sure over 180 we're probably mm-hmm. in the one nineties, if not break in two hundred. If we break two hundred, we're probably like close to two ten. So I'm thinking like one ninety, one ninety five or something like that. That's that's usually what people guess. Upper upper eighties, low nineties. He is uh he is one eighty two. One eighty two? Okay. One eighty two. Is that so net or is that gross? No, that's gross. So okay. he's sitting on the He's sitting on a 21 and a 22 inch main, um, on a 16 inch spread is what he's got okay. for, for just a couple of those measurements. And I don't think he's got any, well, there is one mass, mass measurement that's big. That's just cause that <clears throat> kind of like split G2 looking thing. Yeah. Um, it's actually G2 and three right there. So he gets a good mass measurement there, but all the rest is mass measurements. Like they're probably four if, and, could be less yeah yeah pretty low yeah but i mean still it's a it's a mon it's a mon how many points is is there 14 15 14 14 okay Mm -hmm. yeah 
box elder. One second. <laughs> Get out of here, you fucker. Um, so <laughs> um yeah, so I mean this is just a, a monster deer, but more impressively than the deer itself is that Jace hunted this buck for 20 days straight. So that's like that's the cool part about this story that I think it's it's being in the woods like you know a lot of us will take a week right we'll take a saturday to sunday which is nine days um mm. we'll go elk hunting for nine days we'll go whitetail hunting we'll take a week maybe even on like on the outside two weeks right mm. on the outside you're taking two weeks which when you add it up it's usually like 14 15 days uh um, right saturday to sunday and a lot mm. of people even at that time frame are like burnt yeah. You know, like people are, people are I like, I had one buddy who flat out, uh, was like, dude, I'm just burnt out after like day yeah. 11 and just kind of mm-hmm. hung out and took a couple days off, made it into the woods a little bit, but not much. Yeah. Um, so hunting this same deer for 20 days is, is flat out impressive. So I wanted to talk to Jace about that. And you, you mentioned, you've talked about this buck on other podcasts already, right? Mm-hmm. What, uh, what other podcasts let's, if people want to hear those other stories and other questions about this buck, if somebody's really interested. Yeah. yeah. Um, it is, uh, oh God, born again outdoors. Um, I believe it is. That's the only, only other podcast that I've been on. I could look oh. real quick. But, um, oh, that's cool. That means I'm number call. two. I'm taking yeah, you are number you are number two. I'm good with sloppy seconds, bro. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, no, that's awesome. So, and you also did uh, the Lone Wolf Road Show, the Lone Wolf Custom mm-hmm. Gear Road Show earlier this year, yeah. right? Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, um, that is, I think it's really cool that what was it like? Maybe a month prior, you were showing people how you're using Lone Wolf Custom Gear, your 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 stand and sticks and everything. And then mm-hmm. a month later, you like got this giant down with that. I think that's pretty neat. Yeah. I think that gives yeah, a lot of was... uh, validity to people who sat there and listened to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that 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 was really cool. Getting to meet, you know, all sorts of people that, you know, from all different, you know, all different parts of the country and all, you know, thinking the same thing. That was really, really cool. And then, you know, just like you, just like you said, you know, putting, putting some of that gear to work. I didn't. I didn't shoot him out of the tree stand. I saw him from the tree stand. I shot him from the ground. Um, no but we'll way. get into that a little bit later. Yeah. 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 Okay. Got it. See, I didn't know, you know, I was, I just right. assumed, I assumed imp- incorrectly <laughs> <laughs> that you were up in a tree. So, yep. all right. Um, yeah. So with that real quick, I'm going to throw a couple partnerships out there. Uh, mm-hmm. Onyx maps, take a look at Onyx. If you guys are, are checking that out got to do this this for these guys i a because they support me but b because it's just they're i think they're just good products like onyx maps take a look at that gps mapping at way gps mapping app waypoints um offline usage private public land boundaries like if you don't have it you're starting to hunt you haven't you haven't downloaded it yet or anything like go get that they have a free trial for i think seven it's days like, it's like a must now you have to you have to have something Right. Right. You, you really do. And I've talked to like I, I've talked to a bunch of people and like going back and forth, like you got Huntwise, you got Onyx, you got Spartan Forge, you got Hunt Stand, um, you got Base Map. Like there's all good apps out there. Personally, like I've used of those five, I think I've used three of them. 
I've used base map. I've used Spartan Forge. And I've used Hunt. So I've used four. I've used Huntwise. I've tried them all. Not all of mm. them. I haven't used Hunt Stand. But um, but personally, I just gravitate towards Onyx. They're all good. You mm. have to have some. And I like I just like Onyx. And then I started working with them and now I'm stuck with them. I just I yeah. like them. They send me the beta versions, all that fun stuff. It's it's mm. cool. It's a good, it's a good app in general. Yeah. I imagine you spent a lot of time on that over 20 days. Not really. Um, oh, really? So kind of my, <clears throat> yeah. So kind of my um, initial thing, like going, going down there. Um, well, I, I guess I should, I should back up. Um, it's like this buck. Do you want me to start with like how I found him? No, well, I well, I should finish the partnerships. Just give me one second. Mm. <laughs> I, I, no, Go it's totally it. cool. I was expecting you to be like, yeah, I spent every day on Onyx. But I uh, see this is why podcasts are fun because I don't know what you're going to say. Because when I go right. elk hunting, I literally like when I'm out in the woods and when I'm back at camp, instead of a TV, all the guys are centered around a phone going, well, who are you going to go here tomorrow? Are you going to go there? If you think they were over here, do you think they went over here? And like, oh, right. I saw this other guy over here. And we're always like looking at our tracks because you always lose stuff anyway. Man, that mm. was one of the funniest stories of the whole trip. One dude lost a bugle tube. He's like, I was up on this mountain. I lost my bugle tube. Yeah. I don't know where it is. I have no idea where I lost it. And I have no idea where it is. And I am not shitting you. The next day, me and another buddy went in there, had no idea where he had went on the entire mountain walked right into it literally hit my buddy in the face like ducked wow. under a branch and his bugle tube was hanging on a branch and it hit him in the face like conk wow. like home alone paint can bullshit <laughs> so anyway that was that was a pretty funny scenario um but uh but yeah on x is a great partner uh vector custom shop they make awesome arrows if you guys are interested in arrows you're not happy with the arrow performance like you're shooting right now and your broadheads aren't doing what they're supposed to be doing like spine could be an issue uh, your fletching could be an issue your shaft length could be an issue look at vector custom shop those guys make custom arrows for your poundage bow draw length and what game you're hunting and all that jazz so take a look at those guys if you're looking for new arrows and lastly venado um great company they make lifestyle apparel lifestyle clothing sweatshirts uh flannels concealed carry jackets vests um t-shirts whatever it is like they make a ton of and they make a ton of awesome like cold weather gear so their flannel i was wearing today this morning they have a couple henleys that i really like a couple hoodies that i really like just an awesome awesome lifestyle apparel company and if you're gonna buy like just if you're going to want to buy a hoodie, you want to buy a flannel, whatever. I personally, my preference is I would like to purchase rather than purchase it from Kohl's or Target or Walmart or whatever. I want to throw money at somebody who's supporting hunting and is a fan of hunting as well. So that's why I started looking at Venado, met Mitch, the owner, and then just started talking to him. And now we have a partnership. So anyway, those are my three partners that I like to promote in the beginning to the conversation, Jace. To the uh, to the big the big uh, topic why everybody's here yes let's talk about that buck um, so the idea here is let's tell the story let's go through it I'm gonna ask you a million questions along the way 
and then mm-hmm. hopefully kind of draw out some information that everybody on the that everybody's listening <clears throat> kind of pull from and hopefully apply that into their uh their real world their their uh, individual scenarios right because as we kind of learn and talk more and more to people like the uh the individuality is of a scenario like okay what mm-hmm. are you hunting where are you hunting what type of pressure what type of deer like how many deer what type of terrain are you hunting like there's so many factors that go into like these decisions and processes and things that people are trying to make um so with this buck starting in the beginning um first did you just like randomly pick kentucky were you like yeah kentucky opens early i'm gonna go or Mm -hmm. no there's more of a thought process to it fantastic no there was there was less of a thought process to it (laughs) (laughs) all right let's hear Uh, that so the whole reason i was down there in kentucky is i got i got a lead on these deer from a guy named eric he was running trail cameras down there and he's trying to get like a like a hunting camp together sort of thing and um he sent me these pictures he said wanting wanting me to come down for the last two years but uh now that i have you know a bunch of time and i started i started looking at these pictures and i'm just like this was this was you know kind of gonna end up being like a tail of two deer um that i was down for there was the deer i ended up killing which is named crabs and there was there was another deer we just call him the big 11 um and so that's that was the whole whole reason why i was down there in the first place and um yeah i just wanted to go go down there and i didn't really have an idea what i was gonna do whenever i got down there but i knew i was going <laughs> so this, yeah okay so you got a guy is this public ground or private ground like does he have his cameras does he have a bunch of land or is he just no, throwing cameras all over the place it's on public he's uh he had thrown quite a few trail cameras in in this area and some other areas just to get some feelers out but this is where the uh the biggest bucks on the property were gotcha so he was like hey man got some giant bucks down here you should come down here and hunt them with me type of thing yep and you were like okay i'll go yep (laughs) did you uh did you and i we already let the cat out of the bag that you hunted him for 20 days did you like have a set plan or you're just like all right cool i'll be here till i fill this tag the original plan was i was going to be there for 14 days that was my that was my original plan and well, I wa- I really wanted to know it wasn't even going to be that long. I was going to come back September the 14th because I wanted to be in Missouri for Missouri's opener. So that was my initial plan going down. Gotcha. Okay. So, um, all right. So, yeah, you head down there. You know this buck exists. Mm-hmm. Um, Eric had kind of done some pre-scouting a little bit. And you're there for – for the 20 days hunting you're saying mornings and evenings is that right Mm -hmm. yeah yeah that's right okay so walk yeah walk me through like what the game plan was like where you started where you moved and let's just kind of like roll through we don't have to go through each individual day but like the general progression here yeah so starting out like going down to this property in the first place like 
one thing that I've, I've been bad to do in the past and I didn't want to do this time is I didn't, I really, really did not want to overthink things. So overthinking things to me would be hopping on a map and looking at a map for a month and, you know, trying to, you know, trying to convince myself that I know what everything on this property looks like just by looking at a map or thinking I know what's going on just by looking at a map. And so I was like, so I was like, all right, I'm not going to look at a map. The plan was I'm going to get down there uh, the day before season. I'm going to drive around the property and that's where I'm going to, and that's how I'm going to start. And um, so like, you know, first thing I do whenever I get to a new property, you know, turn on my tracker and drive every road that I can just to get as familiar as I can with the area. And then I didn't hop in where those bucks were immediately because there was, uh, let's see, opening day, there was six people hunting those deer um, between people that I knew and people I didn't and people I didn't know. Um, so lo some locals that I, that I, you know, started talking to later on. Um, but first thing that I wanted to do is I needed to figure out what, a just deer are doing on the property and you know b you know what pressure looks like which it didn't turn out that mattered um and i mean you know if i can find a you know a mature buck pattern you know what what's it i'm gonna look at that property and i'm gonna look at the whole area in general and probably do and you know did some glassing and you know a couple sets the first you know couple days just kind of bouncing around just trying to figure stuff out um it was the third, third day of season, or was it fourth? Yeah, third, third day of season, and I was setting up on this tree line because you know I'm like everybody else, you know I want to hunt in the hunt in the tree stand, you know, be in the trees and whatnot. But uh, I looked back to where I had parked my car, and there was a shooter out there, and it was what it was is on this property there was a lot of there was you know a lot of crops on there. And, you know, there's, you know, corn and beans and the beans were tall enough to where the deer were bedding in them and living in them. And yeah, whenever I saw this eight pointer stand up over, you know, hundred yards away from my car, everything just kind of clicked for me because this is the kind of stuff I'm used to in Missouri, which is okay. The, you know, bigger, more mature bucks, they know what's going on and they don't go near, near trees. That's one thing that they don't do. Um, so I'm like, you know, all right, Roger that. So yeah, at day three, I had kind of my general uh, pattern that I wanted to go, go for. And, and I had seen a couple other, you know, smaller bucks out there in the soybean field. Uh, but I hadn't thought of it much at that point. I'm like, Oh, well, you know, of course these little bucks are out there, but a mature buck isn't going to do that wrong. Um, <laughs> so when you're saying, uh, when you're saying like the general pattern, like the initial general pattern, and this is mm -hmm. relevant, not just for this early season piece, but like, even if people have out of state hunts planned for like the pre-rut or the rut, the general pattern that you're, or the idea of what you're looking for is like, where deer are coming from and going to, right? Yeah. Just like general bedding, seemingly bedding areas to general food sources and the paths they like to take in between the two yeah kind of kind of like it's more 
I mean, you know, on an early season hunt, you know, I want to, I want to figure out what the deer are eating, which I, which I assume was going to be corn and beans whenever I got down there. But I mean, that's going to, you know, apply, you know, all year round, you know, the first thing I want to figure out, you know, late season last year, you know, Illinois hunt, you know, killed a buck in a couple of days, you know, go figure he's feeding on bean and corn. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, but, but, uh sorry what what was your original question oh i was just i the question was i answered it myself so i'm sorry there (laughs) so no worries i was i i said uh i just wondering like you know the general idea was um Mm. you're trying to get the general idea of what's going on on the land right Right. what the deer are doing you had mentioned that so on the day three you'd figured out like all right these bucks are kind of like living in the beans and they're not coming near trees so i assume Mm -hmm. that means like you're kind of done with trees and you're going to start trying other tactics yep yep so so with that um the fourth day of season um i had you know taken the guy up on his offer you know i was gonna go over there to that area and start checking it out and after driving around kind of you know listening to him you know, this is, you know, kind of what he thinks the, you know, deer are doing. This is, you know, trying to figure out what the local guys are doing too. Um, I just started, um, let's see, I can't even remember how, how exactly I was that I, it was that I started. I mean, so there was, I mean, a lot more that went on, you know, besides these just, you know, two deer, like one of the things I, some of the things I got to watch in the first couple of days is, I've never dealt with deer in beans that are this tall. Like I'm talking like, you know, a mature buck standing up and his rack sticking out of the beans. That's how tall these beans were. And I'm like, I'm like, okay, I've never dealt with this before. And it wasn't like, it, it wasn't like a, um, you know, like a on, on purpose thing to watch this, but the first couple of days I was in that new area, I got to watch other people put stocks on, on deer and this kind of stuff. And I could see the parts that went right and the parts that went wrong. Um, so that was internet. So that was interesting to see, but I started, um, you know, got over to this area, same thing I'd found, you know, with the area, you know, mile or so away on the other side of the property and um there was there's quite quite a bit of beans in this area mostly corn so i had found a spot that i could glass from and what i wanted to I, i just wanted to you know watch these beans and you know see what and see what happened so the first first evening i set up in this spot and I watched, I, there was like this, uh, it's like this 125, eight, 25 inch eight pointer out there. And he got up like, you know, or like an hour before dark and, you know, better out, better around for a little bit. And you know, I was like, you know, cool. You know, there's some, there's some bucks in here. You know, I wanted to, you know, just curious, you know, I'm going to watch this deer in the morning and just see what he does. And, you know, daylight came around and, he wasn't anywhere seven o'clock eight o'clock and i'm just like i was like oh, well i guess this this one deer is somewhere else i don't know and about 8 30 he stood up i'm like huh well that's interesting 
I was like, I'll just keep sitting here. All of a sudden, 9.30, another buck stand up. And I was like, huh, that's interesting. And so I sat there until, I don't know, 10, 10 o'clock, 10.30 or so. And I was like, well, I'll come back this evening. You know, let's see what happens. Yeah. That evening, I only saw, I only saw one of those deer. I'm just like, what the heck's going on? Next day, I get get back out there in the morning. Same thing. 8.30, 9.30 in the morning, these bucks started standing up. And what they were doing is they were they were standing up and and uh, they were shifting. Uh, they were shifting beds is what they were doing. And, you know, you, there's a lot of things on podcasts, you know, stories you hear about, you know, bucks, you know, getting up in the morning and, you know, resituating. But it doesn't really hit the same way as when you actually see it, you know, right. in person. So I'd watch that that day and I'm like, I'm like, all right, well, I'll, you know, come back tomorrow. Cause like, this is interesting. I was like, I want to, I want to see this again. And the next day at, it was like nine 30 in the morning. All of a sudden one of those two bucks showed up and I was like, Oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, this deer, the, the, uh, the big 11 point, he was out there and so let's see over the next not to skip forward in the story here but over the next um let's see i I forgot when i put the last stock on him but over those next days from like basically day four or i think saw him day six or seven from day six or seven to day 20 I saw this buck, this other buck five times. I put four stalks on him, and I was in range of him for 15 plus hours. And I never got a shot at that deer. <laughs> this, this buck never, it, there was, there was one chance that pretty much you had in the morning to get a shot at this deer. And that was if you could figure out where his initial bed, you know, first thing in the morning was, because I figured out these deer, what they would do is, you know, in the, in the dark of the morning, I only, there was one day at daylight that I saw a mature buck in there or that, that I saw a mature buck on its feet. Sorry. Every single other day, there was no bucks that stood up until like at least, you know, seven thirty in the morning. That was the earliest. And beyond that, it was anywhere from eight thirty to 11 o'clock. What time is it getting light? Uh, it's like six. A little after yeah. six, six ten. So like an hour, an hour and a half after it gets mm-hmm. late, which is yeah. generally early season. Most people are like, "I'm gonna get this in the first thirty minutes, or I'm out." Type of thing, right? Yeah, right? I mean, you know, seeing seeing that, you know, kind of makes me think about how I should change my hunting, you know, here in Missouri. But, but at any rate, okay. So uh, hold on a second. Hold on. I have yeah. I have a bunch of questions on that. All right, go for it. <laughs> So first one would be when they're standing up to shift beds um at 8:30 like say say that one of the 125 8s right he stands yeah. up he's shifting beds is he like that deer specifically and is this pattern across all the bucks that were out there um did the mature bucks act differently but are they moving like 10 yards 100 yards 10 feet like are yeah i mean are they moving from one side of the field to another or like how is 
what were they actually like doing? It kind of depends on the deer, honestly. Okay. So, like the younger deer, like that. So I I did see some that shifted like as far as you know a hundred yards, but um, I saw some of the younger ones that are you know shifted. Did sometimes they just wouldn't shift if they were in a spot that they were you know fairly comfortable in. Um, then they might they might move a little bit and you know feed around a little bit and bed back down. Um, but the older ones, what happened there was they would they would get up and. Uh, and I think there's two things going on that one, you know, the, the sun's getting high in the sky. So now they're getting hit with sunlight and seemed like most times they, their initial bed in the morning would be in a little more open spot. Like they wouldn't really is, you know, in the soybean field, you know, it's all, it's not all the same height, you know, there's some that's, you know, shoulder high on me, you know, there's some that's, you know, waist high, whatever. Um, but what the older deer would do is they would they would get up and you know immediately start looking around. It seemed like something they would they would do every time, you know, checking around for danger. And then they would move to a spot that's that's taller, it's got a little more cover, and they would set up in a spot to where their next move or probably their evening movement, if they did make an evening movement, was going to be nosed wind. It's like they set up every 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 time for, for whatever reason it seemed like they were they were going their next move whenever they actually did make a move um, it was going to be nose to wind. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So you're so essentially like you know they come in at whatever two a.m. three a.m. into that bean field or whenever they get there <laughs> sometime in the night they come in they feed around they lay down in a spot they kind of hang out there and all of a sudden it gets a little sunnier, a little warmer. They're like, ah, I'm not really feeling this nine o'clock in the morning. They stand up, look around, um, and then move to a shadier spot. And if the mm. wind is coming, let's just make it easy. The wind is coming from their left. Then mm. they're going to set up. And when you watch them get up in the evening, if you see them get up, they're going to the left. Yeah. Right. And that, yeah, would, now that was, like okay. I said, that was the more mature ones and the, yeah. that big 11, especially. Okay. No, that's it. That's, that's very interesting. Cause a lot, cause I had one of my buddies who's got a trail camera. He got a bunch of trail camera pictures on a field that uh, on a piece of private ground that he hunts often. And a couple other guys hunt often. And he was getting pictures of bucks coming, only coming into the field with the wind at their back. And his mm-hmm. thought was like, maybe they're doing that so that nothing can sneak up on them and they can see the whole field out in front of them. So they're very yeah. likely to like understand the pressure there, but not mm-hmm. sneaking up behind them. But that old, right. That, I mean, that could be true. Mm-hmm. Um, but the other, the other, the thing that you always hear is big bucks nose to the wind. So mm-hmm. it's, it's cool to like, I have to imagine that is a, uh, kind of is how you mentioned earlier is um it's got to have something to do with the pressure that deer are under in that area but also mm-hmm. like individual deer how they like to move throughout a property right you know, what they think is safe so mm-hmm. um no it's that's that's really unique to hear so um one of my other questions with that is when those bucks were getting up and moving around were they generally betting close 
together or were they kind of like spread all out around the field? No, they were, well, no, I mean, if they're, they were, they were generally spread out. Like sometimes you'd get, you know, two bucks that hung out with each other sometimes. Um, but other than that, there was, there was no like certain like part of the field that they would bed based on wind. Okay. Cause yeah, I have to imagine in all those, the, from that day on those 14 days, 16 days where you were putting stalks on them, there were mm. different, there was different wind pretty much every time or yep. there were not every time, but throughout those two weeks. Different right. Time. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Um, were you concerned or did you feel the pressure to move faster because there were other guys hunting those deer? Not really. I mean, if, if like, you know, I've had a couple questions, you know, or were you concerned about those bucks leaving because of pressure? I'm telling you right now, some of the, the things that I watched over there, you know, whenever I got to that new area, you know, the first, you know, couple of days or whatever is every time somebody would put a stalk on a deer, that buck would jump up and it would do a, it would do a circle. It would do a loop and it would not leave the soybean field, but it would just end up, you know, sometimes you know, it'd be, you know, half, you know, three quarter circle that they would do. But whenever I, and you know, this is, this was on, you know, some four-year-old deer also. So it's like, whenever I saw that and saw that these deer were not leaving and, you know, you know, me personally watching them like, okay, these things are still coming back. I was, I wasn't concerned concerned at all. And I mean, the other, the other people hunting, um, I didn't really, I didn't really let that come in, come into account because like what I was like, I, I was just going to do what I was, what I was going to, what I was going to do. It did, it did, um, cost me an opportunity on that big 11, um, because he ended up getting shot two days before I shot mine, uh, by, a, by another hunter. Um, which by the way, the buck that I killed, he got shot third day of season in the antler when he was in velvet. So they had blood off that deer. Oh my um, God. <laughs> yeah. No way. Yeah. That was, that was, that was kind of crazy. Um, but like my, my daily in and out, what I was doing is I would go sit and this was, this was every day. So there was, there was beans and then there was a big cornfield right there. And so I'm like, and so what I, what I'd kind of figured you know, with this, uh, with this 11 pointer and with the buck that I end up killing is most days he is not living in the beans. He's living in the corn. But what I figured out with him is one out of every four days, that was just his circuit. One out of every four days he's in the beans. So with that, with that 11, what I would do is I would sit in my glassing spot on that soybean field, I would sit there from daylight to 11 o'clock. And in that time frame, because every, every single time, if like there's a deer in that field, I can tell you with hundred percent certainty that I could get an eyeball on them, you know, if they were in there. And that, that was one of the things that I learned while I was out there is 
big bucks. They don't move every evening. And that's like one of the things that's upsetting about coming back here now is because I know I'm missing out on like the best part of the day because, you know, the big bucks, they don't move every evening. Right. So, um, so what do you think is the best part of the day? That, that morning it's that, that, so the, the, I, I can tell you this, the most consistent thing I saw over those days as I was there is that bucks got up sometime in the morning and they did some sort of a bed shift that happened every single day that I was there. Bucks did not move every evening that I was there. Just like they didn't, they weren't up at daylight every single day. But there was always like some sort of like, maybe Mm -hmm. it was 10 yards. Maybe it was 30 yards. Like at the top end, it was a hundred yards. They did something. They did something. They would always get up. They'd how know. how long were they up for? Was it five minutes? Was it an hour? Was it? Mm-mm. No, it might be thirty seconds. Oh, literally, okay. literally that that uh, that eleven pointer. We have footage of him. He got up, looked around, ran to another bed, laid right back down. If you weren't there for those twenty seconds that he did that, you would have not known that he was there. <laughs> That's wild. That Hell is yeah. wild. How mm. far did he run in that 20 seconds? Uh, 40 yards. Okay. Actually, I, I know. Yeah, I was just cool. trying to get a uh, an idea in my head or anybody listening, like, you know, is he running across that field? Or right. is he just like, because so he must have known. He stood up. He was like, I'm going there. Mm-hmm. Now. Yeah. Now. It could be two different things. You could look at it like that, but also these beans are so tall. Unless they're walking with the with the rows, then they kind of got to crash through the stuff. And I've seen them, you know, completely relaxed deer. All of a sudden, they'll just start bounding and you know taking off and you know crashing through stuff just to get through something because they hate you know sitting there fighting it. So you know you could take that, sure. you know, either either way on that one. But this deer was just naturally a spaz. So it wouldn't surprise me if he just, you know, got up and was like, whoo, whoo. all right, we're good. Let's go. Right. That was kind of cool because that was the day that he was shedding velvet. Um, and we have some un- unbelievable footage of this, but um, I went down, uh, put a stalk on him that day. And I, I sat in his bed, his initial bed that morning. And there was blood all over the beans from his from him shedding his velvet. That's cool. That's yeah, really it pretty, cool. It was pretty oh, cool. Man. That's so. Then, I mean, I guess like I know that that like for anybody listening to the podcast last year, like that is one of your main tactics in Missouri when when you're hunting that big CRP stuff is glass, like glass, glass, yep. glass. Get your eyeballs on them and watch. Mm. So were i mean so that was kind of your tactic here when you realized they were in the beans you're like oh well i should just use that tactic then right right sit yeah. back so, watch 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 and wait mm-hmm. so with that so if i if i sat there from you know daylight till up till 11 o'clock um and i didn't see you know you know the buck i was after I'll, i would be like okay he's in the corn so every evening I was hunting in and around the corn and um, I had like one, one decent eight, eight come through. in one of those days uh, I hunted a, a watering hole on one side of it a bunch. 
and there was trail camera pictures of the one that I killed on that watering hole, but it was like, you know, an hour after dark. So he just wasn't making it there. Um, just wasn't making it there in time. Yeah. So then, I mean, you're, you're sitting there glassing. Were there ever any other hunters that kind of pulled up to look at that field or in and around? Yeah. I, I mean, I imagine most people thought I was just, you know, crazy because you could see me from the road. I was basically sitting on the road. Um, but yeah, there was a ton of people that would, you know, just drive by, look out there, you know, glass out there and just keep on rolling. And if there was a buck out there, as soon as they heard a vehicle, boom, they'd lay, lay down until the coast was clear. Dude, this is, I think personally, I think this is really cool that, <laughs> that you like, um, cause this is something people don't do. Like you just don't hear about this early season. Everybody thinks about it. Like, dude, I bet if I watched that bean field or I watched the corn sat there all day, I'd be able to see it. Well, you're the guy who actually did it. And you're like, yeah, it's, it's as real yeah. as it gets, man. They're in yeah. there. They're just hanging out in there. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's like I said, it was a very, very specific situation. So I can tell you with hundred percent certainty that I don't know of any bean fields here in Missouri that are that tall else I'd be hunting them. But the beans were so tall that, like I said, that that big one, when it, whenever he shifted to, you know, the taller parts of the field where he was comfortable, all you could see was his rack. And if it was any, if the beans were below his eyeballs, he didn't feel safe because he could, you know, you know, see everything and all the people, you know, yeah. driving the roads, whatever. Yeah. No, that's super. I mean, well, that's probably why they like the corn so much, right? Living in the corn because yes. it just feels so protective, mm -hmm. right? Yep. And you yep. always read like once a year, like bow hunting magazine or somebody will come out with an uh, with an article on bow hunting the corn, like bow hunting standing corn, like passing through the rows on a windy day and just creeping along and seeing what you can see. I was, I was, I was to that point with those. <laughs> With the hair and the corn, but uh, I never had the right conditions to do. You still there? Yep, yep, I'm here. You kind of okay. roboted through that, but that's cool. You said you were there. You were pretty much there with hopping through the corn, trying to. You were pretty much going to start trying. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was. I was definitely there, but I mean, I knew I either needed, you know, rainy, cloudy conditions. You know, that was going to be, you know, plus, you know, plus a whole bunch of wind. Um, and I never had anything even close to that every day. I was, there was like high, bright and sunny. It's just like, I could hear myself, you know, 300 yards out in the corn. You know, I couldn't <laughs> imagine it. Yeah. All right. So, okay. So, I mean, for those, for those days, you're sitting there glassing them until 11, um, after 11, like if you saw that the, at 11 AM, um, and you said you put five you put five stalks on him was that four. right four four stalks on him um mm. are you getting like to walk me through those stalks like how did you decide when you were going to get down when you were going to go after him how what conditions laid out and things like that yeah for sure so i learned this from hunter but um <clears throat> basically whenever whenever those deer, whenever they got up and moved, you know, right around that 8.30 time frame, it was around the same time that the day, you know, the day winds pick up. And 
whenever you have a, a specific wind or sorry, a, I can't think of the word. Oh my God. Uh, whenever you have a consistent wind, which generally is around that eight thirty, and when the day winds yeah. pick up, that that is a uh, that's a good condition for you know a good condition for stalking. Um, so here's what I here's what I noticed with this with these deer is what they would do. Let's say I, this was kind of weird. I'm still trying to wrap my head around this one, but um those deer they would stand up you know sometime in the morning and they would do their shift so that's your first sighting of them right so okay now you know the deer's there i know where it is um you know we have a consistent wind you know let's go ahead and you know put a stock on this thing and um seemed like a lot of days there it was windy so it was uh, and i learned because i blew the first stock that it was more it was it was more important to um, not be seen than not be heard because whenever these deer are in like really tall stuff like that and it's windy, they can't hear Jack. I learned that. Um, so yeah, definitely, you know, try not to be seen. So you move with a little, with a little swiftness, but for some reason, every day I did that and I've seen this a, a couple other times um those deer would stand back up at 11 o'clock now it, sometimes it's buried because it was usually somewhere around like two two and a half hours after they bedded back down after they first stood up um so that was basically my my opportunity that that i was going to get on these things and if i didn't which two day, there was two days that that i wasn't in either wasn't in a no there was one day i wasn't in a position to kill like the first time or sorry the second time that he stood up at 11 so basically like the plan was is you know see him that first time you know go ahead and put your stock on him and really really try to get in range and get a shot after they stand up the second time um, that's how I end up getting my opportunity on this deer. But with this, with this 11, it was tough because like I said, he was rarely in, in beans that was less than, than eyeball deep. Um, and there was also a day where I, or I guessed off because you're just, you know, you're looking out in this bean field trying to guess where they are. And sometimes, you know, it's, I was, I don't think there's one time where like I had the deer, you know, pinned to the exact yard that he was at. I was always off. Um, it worked out well for me in the end, but, um, <laughs> yeah. So the, the second time they stood up, that's really, really when you need to get your, you know, your arrow in that deer, if you were going to, because I noticed after they stood up there at 11 o'clock, um, it's probably going to be, it's probably going to be like at least four hours till they stand up again. Um, as I sat, there was one day I sat on that, I sat on that buck and I sat on him for eight hours. So I saw him first time in the morning. Mm -hmm. I did my move. He stood back up at 11 and he didn't stand back up until like three o'clock. And let's see. And I still wasn't, I still wasn't completely in position, but I had seen him bed here one other time 
And part of my plan for getting him was I was hoping that he was going to do an evening movement. And I saw him cross this one ditch that was clear. I was like, I can get an arrow through there. So after I, after I seen him there at three o'clock, I was like, I was like, okay, you know, I'll sit here and the wind was not that great. And cause it was like blowing like three different ways. So I had to sit, I had to sit back a little, just a little bit from him. Um, and my, my plan was, you know, to catch him on that, catch him on that evening movement. Well, you know, you get to about an hour and a half before dark and, you know, um, pressure rises on public land in the evening and there was three guys that end up seeing this deer. This was my, this is my fourth and final stock on this deer. Um, there was three other guys that, you know, saw this buck cause he stood up around like six o'clock and, I was ducking the shit out of these guys. You know, I didn't want to, I didn't want to be seen out there. Well, they saw the deer. So they, uh, they started to put a, put a move on them. Well, I saw them before they really got going with the stock and I stood up out there in the bean field so they could see me. And I saw, I just saw two of them. I didn't even know that there was three there. And I stood up in the, I stood up in the beans and I looked at them and they looked at me. Then they looked at each other. Then their heads went down. They continued with their stock. And I was like, okay, well, I was like, well, if these guys are moving, I was like, I'm going to move, you know, because I think I know where this deer is going to take off. And so I start moving. So they start moving quicker. So I start moving quicker. And then they end up, you know, blowing out the deer. Um, and it ran by me at, you know, 40 yards. And I saw him, you know, he went back and hopped, hopped back in the corn. And I was just like, nice. <laughs> No. Oh man, what a bummer! Like you yeah, would, that was a bummer. Yeah, that's a. It's kind of one of those respect plays, like kind of right. like somebody didn't hunter didn't hunter post like he pulled up to a parking lot at like oh. four a.m. to like get yep. the spot, and dude pulls up was like, oh, looks like we're hunting together. Yep. <laughs> kind of yeah, one of those respect plays that it's like ah, I can see like. I can see it both ways, but at the same time, it's like right. sometimes well, you gotta I, you gotta admit defeat and be like, "Shit, should have been right. here sooner." Yeah, I mean, I end up hearing their side of the story, and it sounded like that we had two different sides of the story. Is what it <laughs> sounded. What I'm it sorry, it sounded like what? It's a, well, it, it sounded exactly like there was uh, two different perspectives on the story because I I heard their side of it and it didn't sound like my side. I was like, well, you know, there's two different sides to it. <laughs> <laughs> they thought they had that buck and they were like, who's this guy? Where did he come mm-hmm. from? Well, I've been yeah, out they... here for 14 hours sitting in these damn soybeans. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh... Oh, man. So, and the other, the other stocks before that, so that was, you said that was your fourth and final, the other stocks, the other three before that just got, the first one was blown cause he saw you and the yeah. other two, you just weren't at that time around 11 and you just lost them or something. He was in stuff that was just too tall hmm. because I had this whole, I had this whole moral dilemma because, you know, I want to put an ethical shot on a deer, right? Yeah. All I can see on these deer is like maybe their neck. 
like sometimes. And so there's, there's this whole moral dilemma of what, what do I do? What's actually a better decision? Do I shoot them like where I normally would? Because I think that's a more ethical shot, but I can't see to that, but I can see their neck, but to me, that's an unethical shot. So what do I do? Uh, there was one of those days where I was, I was, you know, sitting 16 yards away from this deer, you know, having this dilemma. And I never took the shot in the shot in the neck. You know, I, I told other guys that, you know, that same thing. They're like, Oh, I would have shot him in the neck. And I was just like, no, I'm just not gonna, I'm just not gonna do that. That's a, that's a tough one, man. Yeah, I know. It's just like, I've never, you know, I've never experienced anything like that. I've never faced a decision like that. And I was just like, I'm not gonna, you know, try to cut a rope in half. You know, right. I mean, I do. Yeah. And I don't even know where that rope is for sure. That's the, yeah. I mean, clearly and obviously if you hit a deer in the neck in the neck it can be a very lethal shot or it can be a very painful flesh wound or it can be like absolutely nothing like there's it's not like you know the the giant pie plate that the vitals are right Right. so Mm -hmm. yeah yeah or like yeah yeah i can definitely see that like dude i can't see his lungs or his heart or anything, I could guess right. that they're right here, but he might be quartering away. He might be quartering too. Right. He might have some weird mm-hmm. odd angle on his body, and I don't yeah. want to just shoot him in the ass. Right. I mean, plus, you know, oh, your arrow has to pound through like a lot of beans, you know, to get to that deer, you know, because he's yeah. in beans that are that tall. So it was yeah. uh, just never, never had the right, um, just never had the right situation with that deer to where I could get an arrow to it unfortunately okay all right yeah i mean i i applaud you for holding back and it and it worked out for you (laughs) yeah so all right so so you made that final stock on that big 11 um didn't work out so then what i didn't know that was going to be the final stock so i continued sitting in my glassing spot in the morning and hunting the corn in the evening and so this was you know, this was the third. He had got bumped out of this particular soybean field, which wasn't huge, but this was like the third time he got bumped out of there. Okay. And this time it was, you know, fairly volatile. And also the deer definitely got their wind. <laughs> um, got it. So I was kind of thinking, I was like, is this buck going to like, it's like one of my buddies asked me he's like do you think he's gonna you know change up now i was just like no i don't think so i was like i'm just gonna sit you know i'm just gonna do what i know you know i'm gonna stay the course and i'm gonna you know sit on the soybean field like i've been doing so you know three days go by and it comes to the fourth day and like i said on average this bucks in these beans every every fourth day and i sat there and 11 o'clock came around and he wasn't in there. And I was just like, man, I know, I know this deer is in the beans, like somewhere, like there's other beans in this area, you know? Yeah. So I'm like, I'm like, all right, well, I'm going to go hop in my car and I'm going to see if I can't, you know, find somewhere to set up, you know, here for the next couple hours. And, you know, maybe, you know, maybe get a look at something, um, you know, before my evening hunt. And uh, I literally, I went, I went down this road started looking out the beans and I look across the way and 
there's one of the locals trucks over there and a glass and I can see, you know, one of these guys I've been talking to, he, he's walking to his, you know, back to his truck at a fairly decent, fairly decent clip. And, uh, I'm like, Oh, I didn't think anything of it. You know, I'd go over there and, you know, talk to him and I go over there and, you know, I pull up and his, you know, his adrenaline sky high, you know, he's bug eyed. And I'm just, I'm just like, what happened? And he's just like, it's like, I shot that big 11. I'm like, no, <laughs> I was just like, oh my God, this deer was maybe him and the deer. Like he was like 20 to 30 yards out of sight. And the deer was like a hundred or so yards out of sight, 150 maybe. And so all this was happening over there all morning. And you know, I, I had no idea. I was just sitting, sitting over there, you know, doing my own thing, minding my own business. Um, but he ended up getting on that deer. Someone else had actually seen that deer. It was actually right at daylight. That was one of the, it wasn't a, you know, a time I saw a deer stand up in daylight, but it was one. Um, he went in there and that buck stood up at eight 30 and he shot him at 11 and to this day, I still don't know if his arrow actually got to the deer because he, you know, was in the same boat that I was, you know, this deer was in beans that were about eyeball deep and, uh, he took his chance and, you know, he shot through those, through those beans and, uh, didn't end up with a deer. Pretty sure he hit it. Not really sure where, um, didn't find any blood. There's still, there's no arrow and, so I, I spent like a whole day like thinking I was dead and then we come up empty, but like not for sure. And, you know, cause I helped him, you know, track the deer. Um, you know, I was, I was up until like two o'clock, two o'clock that, that night, probably three. That was actually the one, uh, the one morning I did take off in that, in that 20 day time span. I took that next morning off. I slept in. Um, so from there, I'm just like, well, so how'd you track them if there was like no blood? So there, there was a, they brought a dog in and tried to track this deer. Whenever, whenever I say track the deer, all that I was really able to do is see where the deer was at whenever it was running through the beans. Cause you can see where it kind of like bounded through. So that was yeah. my tracking. The, all the other tracking was us looking in conjunction with the dog being out there. Sure. Um, so like I said, no, no arrow, you know, no, no, you know, for sure thing on the, on the deer. And there was a, so I'm sitting there thinking, I'm like, okay, well, my morning now is like this, like this buck is, he's not going to end up, you know, back over where I was just, you know, hunting him. He's probably going to end up back, you know, over here in these beans somewhere, you know, if he is going to show back up in the beans, but I'm like, I don't even know if the deer will go back in the beans at this point. He might just stay in the corn. Yeah. So there's, there was a bedding area that I knew of. Um, it was right on a little Island of trees out in the, out in the corn. And I was like, it was the next day I got there. Um, kind of looked over the area, set up a stand um, in that my headset just died. Hold on. No worries. You still still hear me just fine? 
Yeah, I can still hear you just fine. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, then this is fine then. Um, let's see. So I set up my yeah, stand. Yeah, you set up that stand. Set up that stand, and my plan was is I was going to go hopping hop in it the next morning. And I was able to do one of my favorite things is I was able to set up a stand that I could kill one if one did decide to come into that bedding area in the morning. Um, I could kill one doing that, but the other thing that I could do is I could also get up high enough to where I could observe a new part of that bean field um, that I hadn't been watching. It wasn't a super big gap that I could see, but at least I could see something out there, you know, not just what was right there in front of me. Yeah. So next morning comes around, um, you know, we got a cold front coming in, you know, there's, uh, you know, there's does frolicking, you know, around there jumping around, you know, prancing and whatnot. Hell, I'm basically doing the same thing because it was 97 degrees yesterday. Now it's like, you know, 50. I'm like, this is great. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so I'm sitting there on, on post. And well, one of the other things that I saw some of these other mature deer do, and th- this wasn't like a super consistent thing, or at least it's not something that I got to watch a whole lot, but sometimes whenever they'd get bumped, um, I might be just be speaking about one deer here, but whenever they did get bumped, um, sometimes they'd skip a day and then they'd be back. So I noticed, I noticed that with, with one deer. So that was kind of my thought. I was like, okay, well maybe, you know, this deer skips a day and then it's back, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. Um, so that next morning I'm sitting up there and watching, watching these does and I look out in the in the bean field and this was 7 30 in the morning so this is one of the earlier times I had seen a deer stand up I look out in the beans and I just seen a cage out there and I'm like I'm like oh that's got to be my big 11 and I throw up my glass and I, I see his left side and I see a split g2 I'm like oh that, that ain't the big 11 I was like that's the man I was like, that's crabs. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, holy shit. And this was also, so to my knowledge, this was the first time that this deer had been, had bedded back in the beans since the third day of season. Every other day I considered this deer was in the corn. Uh-huh. Um, so like, like I said, to my knowledge, and I was, I was the 10th dude hunting in this area, you know, hunting these deer and, you know, I was getting information from, you know, these other people. And like I said, to my knowledge, that deer had not been seen out in the beans that entire time. Um, so I was like, so I was like, all right, all right, cool. So I watched him. He didn't move very far. He maybe moved like 10 yards and, uh, and he laid back down, but whenever he laid back down, this was the first time that I had seen a mature buck lay in a spot that was actually open. And I was like, Oh, I was like, here we go. I was like, we're getting like a really good situation going here. So yeah. I hopped down out of my stand. I run back to my car and this, this buck's been like 70 yards off the road. And I run back to my car um not gonna lie i made coffee because i hadn't had it had any yet and i didn't know how long this was gonna take i was like i'm making coffee <laughs> while, while I'm making coffee. 
Um, I go ahead and I stand on top of my car, drop a whole bunch of milkweed just to make sure I get a really, really good wind direction. Um, and then I go ahead and I drive around to get the wind and I get up to the edge of the beans and all I really had to do was walk 40 yards in the beans, like cross row and then hit a, hit a really wide row. And then I took the beans 30 yards, uh, to my left. And I thought that would put me at about 40 yards away from this deer. And okay. I got set up and it was eight 30 in the morning whenever I got set up. And I was like, I bet you this deer's going to stand up at 11. And I sat there and the beans where I was at was, was tall enough to where I couldn't see over the beans unless I was up on my knees. So that whole time I was there, you know, I was either up on my knees or, you know, up on one, up on one knee, you know, alternating. And and he got, there, so he got up at seven 30 and you saw him and then yep. he rebedded. Did he rebed at like eight or like seven 45 or like seven 35 or seven 31. Okay. So he was just up, move down. Yep. Up, move down. Okay. I was just like, you know, cool. So I'm sitting there. And I'm looking in the direction that I think this deer is bedded. And I, I remember the last time I looked at my phone, I looked down and it was 1058. Like I said, I might be getting a little crazy with that 11 o'clock thing. I just think it's interesting. Yeah. But it was, it was 1058 and I sit there, I, I look back up and I'm looking there and all of a sudden I just notice a new, there's a new shape over to my right. And I'm just, and I just look right there and he just stood up and he's at 29 yards and from where, from where I'm, you know, kneeling down and just barely looking over the beans, all I can see is like the top of his head and his rack. And I'm like, I'm like, you know, all right, here we go. So I was able to get my range finder out, you know, range him 29 yards. And I was like, okay, he's in an open spot, but it's obvious that there's beans in between me and him. So I'm going to be right back in the same pickle, you know, not being able to see where I'm shooting, but yeah. at least I know for sure that my arrow can get through these beans that are in between me and him because where he's at's open. So my arrow just has some beans to go through, then it's open until it gets to the deer. Yeah. So the deer puts its head down and, you know, starts feeding around a little bit. And I go ahead and I draw my bow and I stand up and this whole time I'm like, okay, I want this deer at this point, I could see the top of the deer's back and I'm waiting for the deer's head to come all the way up because I want a good line of where like that deer's head, neck, you know, spine, yeah. you know, shoulder is. I really want to know where that shoulder is. And I also decided that it was a bad idea for me to try to put one right like behind the shoulder and like in the heart, uh, just because you're playing around with that shoulder and you can't see it. And it's just a lower odds, you know, situation if you do get up and, and around that shoulder. So I was like, okay, I'm going to shoot this deer, you know, and pretty much, you know, the middle of the body, you know, that's what I'm going to be aiming for. And I know if anything, I'm going to be low rather than high because it was like, I can, you know, I can deal with low, you know, low is okay. High is not good. So, uh, so I stood there at full draw for about a minute and finally the deer picked its head up and I moved my pin to where I thought, you know, middle body was and just below that. And I, 
and uh, I released my shot and I heard it. It hit like three, like, you know, three bean, you know, beanstalks, whatever, you know, going through impacts the deer and he starts taking off. I heard it hit the deer. So I knew, you know, at least I, you know, I knew I hit him, but I wasn't sure where. So I got my binos on him and I'm looking um, for, you know, a hole in the side of the deer, but he's running away at a pretty good angle and he slows down and he stops out there a little ways. And I go ahead and I immediately, you know, drop down and, you know, start to get another range on him. I get another range on him, 63 yards. And I, uh, I dialed my sight, my sight down and he's quartering away like hard. Um, but, uh, 63 yards I draw back set all the pin in and uh where my shot broke where my pin was would have been a little bit off but we had a pretty good breeze so uh, it actually brought it right to where it needed to be and uh, I just fucking pounded them that time 63 yards it went in between um the last rib and its hip and it ended up going through the center of the heart no way <laughs> yeah, was a second shot, and oh, I uh, I watched him. He he like I I don't know like ran like slowly or something like over. There's a little CRP patch out there, and I saw like his tongue was like his mouth was hanging open, his tongue was hanging out whenever he entered that CRP, and I knew at that point. So, so I was like, "That's that's a dead deer." I was like, "We got that one." Oh my gosh! Do you so? That's so funny because I like the last podcast I just did. Um, dude, dude, kind of had a iffy shot at eighteen yards and center punched him at fifty. Nice. <laughs> right, and you're doing you're saying the same thing. Kind of, I'm not sure about the thirty, but I smoked him at sixty three. Right, which um, I mean, like for me, you know, my comfortable shooting range is out to forty yards but I practice all summer and I have the capabilities to shoot out to a hundred yards just for this specific situation that I have an arrow in a deer and yeah. I need to get another one in them. Otherwise I'm yeah. probably never going to fire an arrow at a deer. that's over 40 yards. Yeah. Okay. So at 63 yards, were you able to see his vitals or were you shooting through beans still? Oh no, he was in, he was in the wide open at that point. Okay, gotcha. So you knew exactly where he was and you weren't having to squirt one through there. Yeah, no, he was he was standing on bare dirt at that point. So there was there was no guesswork there. Okay. Awesome. No, man, that is that's that's an awesome uh awesome story, awesome like the haunt in itself. Lots of lots of really cool lessons there and unique um for a unique scenario that I'm sure people can apply to. Cause everybody and their brother wants to, you know, kill out mm. of a tree stand. And I, I do too. Um, but at the same time, you like you, you have to hunt how the deer give you the opportunity. Right. Right. So, um, so with that, I mean, you center punched him at 63, watched him kind of run into the CRP and he was toast. And at that point it's all, you know, high fives with yourself and hanging out. <laughs> <laughs> pretty, pretty much. I mean, I, man, it's kind of, it's kind of crazy. So I, I, 
I thought I was going to give the deer a while. And then I was talking to, I was talking to some, some of my buddies are like, well, you going to go get them. And I was like, well, I'm going to give them a little while. They're like, well, like you pounded them. Right. And I was like, yeah. They're like, so <laughs> I was like, yeah, all right. So about it took me about 45 minutes and that's all I could, that's all I could handle. I had to go, I had to go get my hands on them. Oh man, that is, that's so cool. Uh, and that was day, I mean, that was day 20, right? So you were in there yep. hunting that kind of little bedding area in day 20. Do you think if you were in your original, your original glassing spot for that bean field, would you have seen him? No. Okay. Do you think no, he could I have been there sooner and you just never knew? I would say that, but where he was, that's, that's where he, so let's see. Where I shot him, he got shot the third day of season about 100 yards away from there. And for the first two for two weeks or so, um, the some of the people that I knew down there and some of the locals, like that's that's where they were hunting. Like as far as I knew, there was one, two, three, four, four preset stands around this particular bean field because there's actually trees around it the one i was watching i had to myself because there's not any trees around it um between that and the other hunting pressure that i knew that was in there um just as many eyeballs as that that was over there i don't i don't foresee him being over there but i'm not i'm not gonna say he wasn't because there's there was probably you know a day or two in there that he was out in those beans, but that was just the only, the only day besides the third day of season that I knew him to be out there. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, I mean, also like you factor in, like, I mean, how many podcasts have you heard where people or even TV shows or anything where people say, don't hunt the mornings in early season. All you're going to do is bust deer. Well, I mean, if, if you're like, there's a certain way, like you got to go, that you know you have to go about it but i mean if you're it's like you know hunting uh you know walking into a food plot you know an hour before daylight it's probably not going to treat you that well but if you're dealing with you know some deer that already bedded up you know and you can you know somehow either observe or slide in that bedding area you know at daylight or before daylight and then you get them um you know whenever they do stand up you know at the eight 8.30, 9.30, you know, time frame and do that bed shift. I mean, that's like, right, like, you know, right now here in Missouri, um, that would probably be a pretty good option for me to, for me to do, but it's all, you know, a, a brand new thing to me. So I can't even hardly think about like where to do something like that. Yeah. Well, plus you got to make some money right now, Jace. Well, you know, there's always that too. <laughs> we, we don't talk about that. <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, that makes that makes a lot of sense. Um, I, um, what was I going to ask you? That, uh, oh, God, I had I had a good question about that kind of bed shift. Um, do you think, or was there any other? like for the morning time frames. Oh, I remember it. For the morning time frames, was there like considerably less hunting pressure in the morning than there was the evenings or was it pretty oh, yeah. similar? 
No, it was the evenings there. If anybody was really hunting there, so like, like I said, you know, there's a couple guys that were really consistently hunting, you know, these couple locals, they would hunt mostly evenings, but whenever you get like, you know, people that weren't already hunting there, you know, people that are looking around for, you know, spots, people that are scouting, um, you know, driving roads, whatever. Um, yeah, the evenings were definitely uh, a lot more busy than the mornings were. That's for sure. Yeah, I guess my thought there is like, you know, a lot of people in the early season, they don't hunt the mornings. And even if they do, if they're just like kind of hanging out on the field edge to watch, like they're usually, I mean, most people like have a low, um, what do I want to say? Like a low expectation for morning and early seasons. Mm-hmm. So like a lot of people will be, will, will be deflated in the first, you know, hour to two hours after light. I know I am. Like if I'm hunting early season and I don't see anything, I'm like, you know, sun rose at six, it's eight o'clock right now. Like I haven't seen anything move. I'm probably going to jet out of here pretty soon. Yeah. I mean, you want to know something? Yeah. I do the same thing. (laughs) (laughs) Right. But I mean, you're seeing a lot of those deer stand up at eight 30, you know, I mean, that's, that's why it's kind of, you know, painful to know that now, you know, (laughs) that I'm, working at eight 30 in the morning every day. Right. But I guess, you know, like, and a lot of, uh, my personally, like my hunting spots in the mornings are generally wooded areas. They're generally like thicker areas. And I'm trying to catch a deer coming back to bed. I'm not sitting a, a like a field edge or anything like that. Right. I'm sitting some sort of transition area for, for right. like, you know, 50 to a hundred yards off a of field edge. Um, right. well, it's like, that's, that's why I like, that's why I like late season because like, obviously you know the deer aren't going to you know they're not going to lay out in the beans and you know corn you know and whenever it's late season you know right well it's picked (laughs) right (laughs) well that there might be a little bit you know standing but you know they they can't live you know they can't eat and live in the same spot anymore you know they have to eat here and they have to bed here and that gives me an opportunity in the morning and evening to get them either you know coming to the food or coming away from the food Right. Yeah. hundred percent, you know, and that makes a lot of sense. And that's one of the hard was one of the reasons like early season is so hard and you see a lot of people going out of state early season. It's like, dude, that's a, that's a man's man. If you're able to kill something. <laughs> dude, I'm, I'm telling you after, after seeing some of this, some of this stuff, I, I, like I'll give you an example. It wasn't, it wasn't but here, you know, a week or week or so ago, I was on a, I was on a stock with a, with a buddy, he ended up shooting a deer and that buck's evening movement was if we hadn't been sitting there 20 yards away, we would have never seen this, but that buck's evening movement is he was bedded in the corn. He stood up, fed around the corn for a couple minutes, walked over to the edge of the corn where the CRP was and laid down. And that was an hour and a half before dark. And he was going to lay there that whole time too. That's wild. So that, and then on that one, you guys got up and tried to put a stalk on him. Yeah, I mean, what we were we were there, and I actually I knew the deer was gonna lay down and you know past dark because you know the thing laid down an hour and a half before dark. So I'm like, this thing is not getting up before dark. So I actually went around. I went upwind of the deer. Uh, my buddy, he was right there. Um, so I went upwind of the deer so that the deer would know that there's a human over there. 
and I went over to the edge of the corn and I snapped a corn stalk and that buck stood up and looked my direction, you know, directly away from my buddy and he'd draw back on him and, and shot the deer. And uh, <laughs> that's, that's how that went down. <laughs> that's, oh, uh, did you get a second place trophy for that one? No, <laughs> no participation or, or even a backstrap trophy. <laughs> no, you're well, uh, unfortunate part of the story, but uh, we don't know if the deer is dead or alive. Oh, so, no. Sorry. So to bring I, up. Yeah, I mean, it's well, I, I brought it up, but I mean, <laughs> it it happens sometimes. Mm-hmm. That's, that's yeah, that's a tough one. But, yeah, it sucks. I mean, the people always talk about like wind bumping or doing like mini deer drives and whatnot. Yeah. You know, all, all we needed this year to do was stand up. And yeah. I just didn't want him looking at my buddy whenever he did stand up. Right. So if I, if I made him think that there was a human over there, which was my wind, and then I gave him a little bit of noise so he knew how far, he's like, oh, that's close. Yeah. Stood up, looked my direction, just like, just like the plan went. Oh, man. Well, yeah, I mean, talk. Yeah, I mean, you're the – you are the champion, the dog, the dog to his arrow. <laughs> oh man, that's that's a you're a good friend, Jace, for that one. <laughs> um, well, man, so yeah, I guess I there's a lot to there's a lot to unpack on that one. I might have to re-listen to this one, but um that's really cool. I think it's just in general the idea of sitting later in the mornings to keep an eye on that stuff. And kind of what I was getting at with sitting in the woods is, you know, like you said, these deer are moving for a, for a few minutes and then laying back down and they're not moving very far. Mm. So like if you're sitting in the woods and you're expecting them to come, you know, tromping through at, you know, 9am, it's probably not going to happen unless yeah. you're like super close to them um, right. and you know it. But other than that, I mean, you know, sitting on those field edges and if you think deer are in the corn, if you think deer are in the beans or even in like a CRP, big CRP, big tall grass, like sitting later in the morning and just planning on, you know, bring snacks, bring a book, bring whatever and just hang out and just watch that field, you know, later if you think they're really bedding in there, seeing yeah. what happens. Because I can mm-hmm. think of a spot right now where you know wisconsin pheasant season opens next weekend um so Mm. i won't be able to really get after it this year but next year there's a couple big crp fields that i know deer bed in in the early season before the pheasant hunters hit it and uh, i mean you find deer beds all over the place in it and there's good glassing spots on it but i've never really considered going there in the morning and just hanging out you know for four or five hours and just watching that field and seeing what they're doing Mm mm-hmm you know, cause they might come in or out or use a specific tree line or something like that. And then at that point you get to make a move. So, I mean, that's a really cool tactic to, to roll out um, mm-hmm. in the future. Um, all yeah, right. I'm well, experiment with some stuff myself, but anyways, <laughs> yeah, I, you know, it's one of those things I I've done um, a lot of podcasts with guys who are, who are killing deer now. And, and it's, it's interesting how, little um i mean the podcast i did just this week that i put out this morning or yes yeah i think it was this morning it was pretty standard like food plot tree stand solid entry and exit get in 
you know, sit it out, third sit, the buck finally shows in the food plot and he kills him. Right. Like right. that's a that's a uh a, a textbook setup like with mm-hmm. with proper everything going in place. But then I've talked to a bunch of guys who are like, yeah, dude, that just wasn't working. So got on the ground, got to stalking, got to building my own blind, got to, you know, just getting to where these deer are and figuring out how I can make that happen. And then just making it happen by any means possible. And it's mm-hmm. unconventional. And from the road, you look like a dork. But yep. when you walk out with the antlers, there ain't no dork there. Yep. <laughs> All right? You look like a champion. People right. go, holy shit, that actually worked. <laughs> I was gonna sorry, not me run the podcast long, but yeah. I was I was gonna throw in one more thing. So I was talking earlier about, you know, what what I just saw in day in, day out. You know, every morning, you know, they stood up and did some sort of a shift every day I was there. So the other thing that I saw, um, so that was just like deer just in general, like moving, you know, throughout the day, which yeah. was not a whole lot, but um what i did notice was i took very much so in general the uh moon phase for the day yeah so it it, it didn't seem like it was you know too specific but um so like now you know if i if i really really wanted to have a good uh morning sit and maybe you know catch some deer up you know not only doing that not only doing that shift in the morning, but they're just up generally feeding your, or your, you know, your better moon times where they're hitting in the morning, that was definitely happening. And then that evening, you know, the deer might not, might not move. And the, the thing was the same for when the moon phases in the evening, they would always get up and do that shift, but they'd never get up and feed around in the morning. Gotcha. And, you know, whenever the moon, you know, was saying it was good in the middle of the day, I mean, you know, the, the deer were up and feeding in the, you know, kind of the middle of the day, you know, like I said, not any specific, you know, specific times, like, you know, if the moon was like, you know, nine o'clock, it wasn't like, you know, nine o'clock, it was just kind of, you know, deer up and down, you know, moving, moving around feeding more often, um, in the morning. So if a guy, you know, is going in, you know, on a, on a morning hunt and you're trying to, you know, gather some really, really good intel on a area, I would say if you can go in that moon phases, you know, good in the morning, then that's only going to help you, but they're still going to move. No, that's good to know. I remember we talked about that last year, like the moon phase, like you and Hunter are both big moon phase guys. I talked to Mm -hmm. a few other people that are big moon phase guys last year. And, um, and it's, it's, it's really cool to, to hear that you know, anecdotally, I don't have like, personally, I never had a huge amount of success last year with the moon phase, but I also Mm -hmm. don't hunt nearly as much as you guys. And I don't observe nearly as much of, as you guys, Yeah, you know? Um, so it's really cool to, to understand. Um, Mm -hmm. and actually, yeah, I mean, and I believe like, I don't doubt you guys for a second. Like I believe it can only, it can help. Like if you guys are, you sat there for whatever, 16 days watching this one bean field. <laughs> yep. Right. So, um, no, that's cool. That's really cool. Um, besides that, well, I mean, how did that, you did mention the cold front at the end. Did, did that really pick up movement? It did for, I mean, 
I mean, it seemed like it, like it did. Like usually, like I didn't, I usually didn't get any eyeballs on does because the beans were so tall that you couldn't, you know, you couldn't even see them. But that, sure. that morning, it seemed like the deer in general were, you know, moving a little, a little better beans. I saw those couple of does, you know, out around Francie and I imagine that was a pretty common thing. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. Cold fronts always help. Yeah. Yeah. I have to imagine they do, but like sometimes, you know, I've had a couple of instances where it's like, I feel like I go out on a cold front and I don't see anything. And, um, and I feel like sometimes that cold front is too much of a drop. Like you go, yeah. but you were saying, you know, went from like 90 to 50 and you were still seeing stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I could be totally wrong there. No, right? I it's think a, you're, I think you're right. I mean, if I, I can't say I've seen it personally, but I've heard other people talk about it. Whenever there's like a really, really like big cold snap, like it can take the deer a day to settle into it. I've heard that. I haven't seen it personally. <laughs> yeah. So and I've and I've like there's been days where I've gone out and it goes from seventy to forty two. Uh, and uh as as the highs and you're like and you get out there and you just don't see anything where previously on a drop from 70 to 55 or 70 to 60 you were seeing a lot more animals um that's a personal totally 100 percent personal opinion on that i i wouldn't push i would i would tell everybody else go check it for yourself like right don't don't believe me on that one Mm -hmm. um all right well awesome dude anything else you want to add to the to the story to the podcast anything you think might help some people Mm, i guess i could talk about just for a just for a second like what it's like to hunt 20 days yes what was your mindset like man so i had like a, and and i hear this all the time because like like you were saying earlier, you know, most guys, you know, they hunt nine days and at the very most, you know, it's like 14, 15. I don't know what it is, but um, that's like my longer hunts in the past. That's as long as they've been also. And, you know, I'm the same thing as ever as all the other guys at the end of that. I'm just kind of, just kind of burnt. I'm kind of whooped, but um, days, 14, 15, and 16 were definitely my hardest days there. Um, and I think there's a bunch of different ways to get, to get burnt out. Um, but like, let's, let's say like I like day, you know, whatever, you know, I start getting on the map and I start looking at all these other areas and, you know, trying to do, you know, different things and, you know, hunt other deer because, you know, I haven't seen the deer I'm hunting in three days that's an easy way to get burnt out, like overthinking things and trying to basically like restart a process like over and over and over again. And like somehow trying to cheat that process by like looking at a map and thinking, you know, what's going on just by looking at a map. Um, those are really easy ways to get burnt out where I found comfort. Um, was like after day 16 or 17 or whatever, um, cause I was, there was also like the, the notion of, you know, quitting of actually, you know, going home. Um, and you know, that's an easy way to get burnt out too, because it, you know, it, if you've hunted, you know, long, you know, you get to the last day of your vacation and it's just like, 
it's like, oh man, you know, I gotta, you know, head back. I got all this, you know, shit to do at the house. You know, if I did kill one today, you know, I'd just kind of be an inconvenience. You know, it's things. Oh, hundred percent. Hundred percent. Well, those things weighing on your head, that'll burn you out really quick too. Where I found comfort and stability in what I was doing is when my mind understood that I was not going to leave until I had one of those two deer and I wasn't going to do anything else besides hunt that same area that I had been hunting that whole time. Because believe you me, the whole time I was over there, I know there's two big bucks there, but naturally, like I love scouting. Like I love going, you know, to look at new places. And, and that's what, that's where my mind was trying to take me. It was trying to like lead me away and, you know, go, go somewhere else that was, you know, new fun and, you know, exciting and, you know, not the same thing, but after I understood that I wasn't, you know, going anywhere and this is what we're doing, this is the course we're staying and we're, you know, doing this until we get the job done. After that, everything was fine. So it's like, I had like this, basically like this three day, like mental breakdown, you know, 14, 15, you know, uh, you know, 14, 15, 16. Um, and so, and I don't know what, what exactly causes that, but like I said, I've experienced, you know, the same thing on other hunts, just not getting through that phase. And so now whenever I go out on future hunts, it's just like, okay, well, there's a possibility that, you know, during that time, I'm going to have a mental breakdown. Okay. <laughs> if I can get, if I can get through that, that'll be fine. All right. Let's do yeah, it. it is what it is. <laughs> so that's kind of, that's kind of how that went. Um, mentally. Yeah. Dude, I uh, I can definitely agree with that on a micro scale. Mm-hmm. When, when you're like trying to fit in a workout into your day, yeah, right. On a very micro scale, it's it's a it's very similar conversation that you're having mm-hmm. with yourself. Like, man, yeah. I have so much to do today. I have to do this. I have to do that. You know, and I've, I know I've blocked an hour out to do this workout, but man, if I could. If I could crush this thing in 35 minutes, I don't have to like do all this extra stuff. And then you get into your workout and you get like 30 minutes in and you're like, well, I've done kind of like everything. I don't need to do many more. And you're, and all of a sudden like the mental game begins. Yeah. Right. At that point, it's like, well, I blocked an hour out. Yeah. But I have all these other things I need to do. Well, are they really that important? Well, I don't know if they're that important. And, you know, you kind of just go back and forth and, and, you know, one wins or the other, other doesn't. Right. I think the the really the way that you do win that scenario, and this is, I did this all the time. I trained for a marathon and I ran a marathon earlier this year. And mm-hmm. it was like, nope, you're running for two, two and a half hours today. Like that is what it is. And yeah. you're, you're doing it. And that's yeah. that, you know, and just, once like, just like you're saying, once you like say it, like it's a definitive, it's not a, it's not a negotiation or anything. It just is then then you move past it yep right and that's exactly what it is it's just an ongoing negotiation with yourself it's just like don't negotiate yeah exactly don't and that's like a famous kobe bryant quote is like don't negotiate with yourself and that was in the i had when i was running that marathon or preparing for it i had a lot of people ask me like oh do you think you're gonna finish and i was like yeah I know, I know I'm going to finish. 
It's yeah. just how fast am I going to finish? Like, right. that's the question. You know, there isn't a negotiation of if I'm going to quit or not. Like, right. F that. <laughs> right. I'm going to do it. It's, am I going to be over under four hours? That was mm-hmm. my, that was my question. Um, right. So yeah, that was a, that was, I, and on, again, on a small scale, but on a large scale, when you're sitting there and, and I do this, like every time I go elk hunting, you know, it's like, oh man, I leave, you know, Saturday, I'm supposed to be home Saturday evening. Um, I'm out hunting on Friday. Uh, I didn't kill anything in Friday morning. Do I go out for a Friday evening sit? Well, even if I shoot one, I'm going to have to be up all night. Then I'm not going to be able to drive in the morning. Then I'm this, then I'm that. And it's just like, shut up. Either you're in or you're out. Yep. It's like, right? what's what, like the conversation in my head a lot of days is what, what, what is it that I'm going to let like limit me today? Like, what is it? <laughs> well, as far as hunting goes, I wish I could be that way of all aspects, aspects, yeah in every part of my life uh but no definitely not <laughs> uh, just just the hunting thing yeah well everybody is there, too much, is there too much rain is there too much wind am i too tired it's like what is it decide right now <laughs> right yeah no that uh that makes a ton of sense like what is it that i'm gonna try to tell myself today and then like preempt yourself with how yourself is gonna think Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah no the mental game is is certainly a a fun one that everybody can relate to and it relates to so much in life like do i have to finish this presentation today do i not do i have to actually go through and do the right thing on this call with this person that i'm talking to that really doesn't matter but it should matter it might matter it might (laughs) matter in the long run yeah that mental game is extremely important but good to I mean, I appreciate the the comp the comments on that because I think a lot of people like you know November November tenth to like the fifteenth starts kind of hitting people hard if they haven't killed yet. Yeah, you know, it's like, dude, I've been at this since like October twenty second. I'm at that like twenty day mark. You know, mm-hmm. I'm I'm hunting or I'm thinking about hunting every day, and I'm trying yeah. to get out, and it's just like, dude, why is it not happening? Why is it not happening? And then all of a sudden, you know, one of those days you have those 10 seconds of fame that you get the opportunity and you're just like totally out of it and you're not ready. And you're like, oh, crap, crap, crap. Shit starts falling out of the tree, you know, or whatever. <laughs> and uh, and you, you, you bust the shot and you're like, damn. But hmm. uh, but yeah, man, I can I appreciate that that context. Um, sure. All right. Well, Jace. Thank you so much for taking the time tonight. I really appreciate it. I really appreciate it. Yeah. You coming on here talking about that. Um, I think that is a very, uh, I think it's a super, obviously super interesting topic and wild way to hunt. And I'm glad you were successful. Um, what is, what is next for you? Just sticking around in Missouri for a while. Yeah, I'll stick around in Missouri. Um, I don't have a, super hard lead on something here right now um kind of the plan is you know keep my keep my you know ears open eyes open um hunt the evenings mostly just glass in the evenings try to try to find something but uh, other than that as far as another big trip i'm gonna take um 
Next one's going to be uh, I'm going to do Illinois in like November sometime. I don't know if it's going to be early or late, but I'm also going to take off quite a bit of time and uh, for Missouri's rifle season and spend some time with my family. And uh, to finish off the year, I'd like to do I'd like to do two more trips, but if it's just one, I want to do like something like where I actually like get some like really good winter weather type type of stuff. Like I want snow on the ground. Sure. Like, like and in Missouri, I don't get that a whole lot for some reason during deer season anymore. So it's probably going to be I'm going to be going north. I imagine. Yeah, sneaking up to my neck of the woods. Coming up to Wisconsin that? or Minnesota. Hey, man, it's good to, be, good to be in there somewhere. <laughs> well, yeah. No, that sounds that sounds good. Um, what are you looking for in terms of, like, a quality of, of the deer? Are you looking at, like, you trying to find something like 150 plus, or are you looking at just, like, age, what you think a big, a big body is, or what are you doing there? I mean, if it's something – like if I'm going to like really like, you know, give, you know, full effort chase on a deer, you know, it's going to be, you know, something 160 plus here in Missouri, sure. um, out of state, um, that Kentucky deal, that was a, that was a separate deal. Um, uh, if I think it's a four-year-old buck, I'm going to shoot it. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Good. Good four-year-old, like I said, you know, last year, Illinois, late season, you know, busted up four-year-old. It's game time. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> right. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Mm. All right, man. Well, thank you. I appreciate the time again. Um, If people want to find you, what's the best way for them to find you and reach out? Uh, Probably Facebook. My name is Jace Allen. Um, just find me on there or uh, Instagram. My, uh, you can probably just look up my name or uh, nature of the beast. Gotcha. Nature of the beast. I will have all that in the show notes, Jace Allen, nature of the beast. I'll drop that in the show notes for anyone listening. And uh, for everybody listening, really appreciate the, uh, the time and you guys sticking around. If you would, please like subscribe the podcast, recommend it to your friends. If you enjoyed it, um, share it on the social medias. If you enjoyed that tag me in it, I will reshare it. And, uh, and if you would also, um, if you tab a minute and you really enjoyed it and you just like want to do something special for me, uh, hook me up with a review, uh, just click the five stars. Don't really care what you write in the review. Just click the five star button and write whatever you feel like. <laughs> um, appreciate that. No, and I'll, in all seriousness, if you do have time for a review, that really does help people find, uh, people find the deer vein podcast helps kind of bump it up the list and, make it more available and, and more uh, recommended for other people. So thank you for that. And Jace, have a good evening, man. And, um, you know, I'll be following along on the socials, dude. I hope you, I hope you're able to find what you're looking for in Missouri. And if you make it up to Wisconsin or you want to come up this way or anything like that, just let me know. We'll do. Sounds good to me. All right. Catch you later, man. Thank you, everybody.